Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Our mission is to strip away the myths and hype that often surround the aesthetics industry. Inside Aesthetics aims to get to the bottom of the important topics that concern medical and allied health professionals, as well as the consumers themselves. We'll be showcasing the thoughts and experiences of experts in their respective fields. Each podcast will focus on a specialty, including surgery, non-surgical procedures, nutrition, well-being, and business knowledge from the personalities that have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general educational information about cosmetic procedures and well-being. It does not promote or endorse any cosmetic procedure, brand, or product. You should seek professional medical assessment before considering any treatment. Our guest today is Dr. Lisa Friedrich. Dr. Friedrich is a specialist plastic surgeon and fellow of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons. She completed medical school at the University of Western Australia, graduating with a Bachelor of Medicine and Bachelor of Surgery in 2000. Dr. Friedrich commenced specialist training in plastic and reconstructive surgery in 2008 and was awarded her fellowship in 2015. Welcome back, Lisa. Thanks for um, agreeing to stay on for a second episode so we can didn't want to rush you so now we can go in and cover the FUE grafts and the differences between that and the traditional grafts we can talk about the wonderful world of plugs and <laughs> other methods that have been used to solve the hair loss problem so where do you want to start well why don't we start um I can give you a brief overview of the history okay. of how it's all come about so um back in the 1950s there was a dermatologist in New York who um took the plugs, or they were four millimetre punches. Mm. So he took hairs from the back of the head and put them into the front. Great idea. Um, Realising that what we call the donor dominance principle. So he realised that you know, men who go through the severe stages of, of baldness, they'll, they're left with that strip around the back of their head. Now those hairs are, are sort of semi-resistant. Yeah. So he thought, well, I'm going to take some of those hairs and put them into the bald area. Um, and we now know that those hairs are resistant and they will stay there. So once you've put them in, they successfully take. They, yeah. will, they will stay there. The trouble was that the four-millimetre punch had quite a few follicular units. And so when you planted them in, they ended up looking like unnatural. So they, it's called the doll's head. So what oh, happens yes. is the little circular graft will then contract in. So the distance between them becomes greater. Um, so they just look like little isolated tufts of hair. And, of course, the donor site on the back of the head doesn't heal up well. So yeah. that's unattractive. So the next step then was to try and improve the recipient site. So they just cut those four millimetre plugs up into smaller and smaller grafts. Yeah still had a bad donor site. And then they realised that hairs grew in follicular units. And the, the importance there is that there's a natural cleavage plane. So that's when they thought of the strip method. And the strip method was essentially cutting out a big strip of hair at the back of the head in that safe zone, dissecting all of the hairs into follicular units. But then they would also dissect them even smaller to get single hairs if they needed. Um, and then... Um, transplant the hairs into the recipient site yeah. so it's sort of been an evolution of a realizing we can take these hairs then harvesting them and taking care for what the recipient looks like and then realize taking care with what the donor looks like yeah 
Now, the, the strip site, as we've already mentioned, the big downside is still that donor site. Now, it's better than having great um, lots and lots of four millimetre holes in the back of your head that heal as scars, but it's still um, leaving you um, with a potential for a visible scar if you decide to cut your hair short. Um, and a lot of people just don't want to proceed with that. However, it's still the most popular method of hair transplant in the world. I think up to 80% of hair transplants are still done using that method. Right. Yeah, you see a lot of, well, not a lot, but you occasionally see a guy walking around with a shaved head and there's a big scar at the back yeah. and looks like either a yeah, failed some, procedure or the no death continued to lose No other operation that does that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, the evolution with, with then, um, the next step was to improve the donor site further. And so that's when they've come up with follicular unit extraction. Mm. Now, the, the idea of that is to use a micro punch, so 0 0.8, 0 0.9 or one millimetre, to punch out the individual follicular units. So it's like an apple core. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And how deep does that go? You can actually feel the dermis release when you do that. Um, I've got a little video here I can show you. Obviously, the listeners can't, yeah. can't hear that. But we'll watch it after. Yeah. It's, uh, I haven't measured it. It's probably about um, five millimetres, six millimetres that you punch in. I don't know how to put this. Um, is it sort of... Uh, Not to bone. Do you have... To, yeah, well, <laughs> what I was going to say is do you have to control the depth or is it automated? No, you control the depth, but there is a, you can use a stop guide. Okay. To, and you can adjust that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So help. I'm assuming different people are going to have different levels or different parts of the head might have different levels um like what would determine what depth you would go to you I guess. actually so the here go the the generally it's it's fairly similar the actual um when you do this in, in sort of preparation for harvesting you actually you put in local anesthetic as a ring block so by a ring i just mean around the periphery mm. so you capture all the nerves as they they come up onto the scalp and then you chew mess so messing just means you fill it up with liquid. So in this case, it's usually saline with a bit of anaesthetic and a bit of adrenaline mm -hmm. to constrict any blood vessels. And what that does is it, it just, if you think of a boat, um, if you can increase the, or a boat in a bath, if you increase the water in the bath, then the keel is going to be off the, the bottom of the, the base. But if you have it... Um, if you just have a little bit of water, yeah. you're really close. And so the idea is that if you fill it up and you distend the skin underneath, you're sort of the hairs are at the top, all the blood vessels and the nerves yeah, you're, are down you're below. Yeah, you're separating what you want right. from what and you don't And so want. you punch down, and you can tell there is a, you can feel through the hand like piece there is a release, sensation. and then you just adjust. Okay. So if you're not deep enough essentially what will happen is you can't actually release the, the follicle, and so you just make it a little bit deeper. Um, and if you're too deep, you can dial it back a little bit. Yeah. Regardless of how much you chew mess, you will still get bleeding. So this is a really labour-intensive yes, process. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, and that is one of the downsides. I mean, it's it's very labour-intensive um, with the strip method. It's just um, the labours um, done by technicians at microscopes cutting up these grafts yeah. um, in this case um, with the FUE you're actually combining that um, sort um, dissection with the harvest so mm. it's, you're combining those two steps in one um, so there are different um, hand punches um, initially there were manual punches there are some people use a sharp some people use a blunt um, the idea behind 
the combination is that the sharp one gets through the skin and the blunt one goes down the shaft so that you don't damage the hair follicle. Mm -hmm. The big risk in this method is that you can cut through the hair follicle, or what's called a transection, and you don't want that because then you won't be able to harvest it. Now, mm. generally, if the, the follicle's been cut but it's still viable down the bottom, it will, the hair will grow back. So that's not – you haven't sort of killed that hair follicle at all. You yeah. just can't harvest it. Um, the – the next step up was to use um, a motorised punch. So um, the punch actually spins, so that makes it easier to, to put it in. With just the hand punches, what generally happens, and this is what happened with my friend in Spain, is that they harvest all the hairs, I, sorry, they punch all the hairs, and then they go back and they pull them out. So you can't correct your angle. The beauty of using um, the vacuum extraction method is that you use a pull and drag technique. So you punch down and then the suction will pull the hair up, but you drag it along the scalp and you can see that you've got the follicles. And if you don't, you change your angle. Right. So would you be shaving someone's head before you do this? Yeah, number one on the clipper. Right. Yeah. Okay. Do and you have to? To harvest, yes. Okay. Absolutely, yes. That's been one of my questions. Well, I'm ready if to I go. Visit, so, uh, let's clinics. do this. <laughs> but, yeah, you're ready. Now... If you've got, if someone's got long hair, you can use a curtain method. Now, you just let them grow their hair out. Um, I did have um, a patient who, who had this. So um, if they grow the sort of the, the um, top area of that safe donor site, you just comb it out of the way and you harvest underneath and then you can comb their oh, hair like down again. Yeah, like yeah, yeah exactly. I used to have that haircut back in Same high school. Yeah. When I was about 14. <laughs> well, they, they call it the curtain method in <laughs> right. America. So, but, okay. you know, that's I basically that's had a fine. strip of hair down the middle and then nothing and it just sort of hung down. <laughs> <laughs> you can harvest, sorry, you can, you can implant the hairs without someone shaving, but I'll tell you that it's much nicer to have. It may make your life a lot more A clean difficult. field, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess um, a lot of this is sort of like, you know, it's a long process. Four months, I think you said, to start healing and looking. Oh, um, no, no, no. It's actually very quick to heal. Ah. So, but before the, before you actually do a second lot, you want everything to be okay. well and truly healed. I guess, you know, if, if I'm joking side about me, but let's say you did need it at the front of the temples, yep. but you don't necessarily want to shave your whole head to do that. No, you just have it. You just shave. Yeah. So here you've got a fade cut there. Ah, so you just take from the back of my you head just with take a fade a, you, cut exactly. and away you go. That's right. Ah, but what if you wanted to And do you know it? what? Your hair will grow out within four days, four or five days. All right. You won't in. even see Let's it at the back. <laughs> I have a picture here I can show you one of my yeah, patients. It grows out very quickly. So we're talking now about the machine that you're using? No, we haven't yeah, got there yet. Yeah, yeah. No, we okay. So we, we can be. So essentially that's, that's sort of been the evolution the other methods that people use, we've touched on before, which were the flaps and the scalp reduction surgeries, they leave a lot of scarring. It makes the hair grow in unusual um, directions. scalp reduction surgery? So you, you apparently Donald's had this as well, but you, you basically... <laughs> he seems to be the topic in every conversation that I've... He's got the weirdest hair ever. I still can't get my head around it. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Donald, so I'll, I'll have a dig at him at every opportunity. Yeah. However, he's great for hair because he's done everything wrong. Um, yeah. It's part of your marketing because, campaign. No, don't, you don't want this. Come to me. <laughs> well, because, you know, a comb-over is terrible. You know, people who have comb-overs perhaps don't appreciate. It's like a big red arrow above their head saying, yeah. look at me, I'm losing my hair. Yeah. Um, 
especially when just, the wind comes along and blows. That's it. right. Well, it just draws more attention <laughs> to it. Um, it's like an umbrella being turned inside out. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. So. Um, I've lost my You're with your Sorry. Oh, yeah, so the scalp reductions. So essentially the bald spot, they will cut out some scalp and bring it together oh, um, right. okay, to reduce that bald spot. Yes. Unfortunately, you that know, there's a, there's a lot of tension on the scalp. Yeah. So often it just sort of stretches itself back out again. Mm. Mm -hmm. But I guess, you know, you could help with your anti-wrinkle treatments or just tighten things up a little bit. You just <laughs> don't need anything in your forehead. Yeah. <laughs> Eyebrow lift. Um, <laughs> no? <laughs> Anyway, so there's at the moment there's um, there's two vacuum extraction machines. Right. One is the SmartGraft, which is out here. The mm -hmm. other is NeoGraft, and that's um, being brought in by Venus Concept. That's not here yet. Um, there is a, a difference in the systems. Um, now I'll say I've bought my machine. I have not been paid anything by the um, um, distributor. I don't get. I yep. paid for myself to go to America, so I'm not here to plug anything. But there's a few differences in how the machine is sort of set up, and um, so the basic components of each are a motorized handpiece, um, suction tubing, and a collection canister. Um, so when you have the um, the handpiece, you want no um, fluid into the actual motor of the gun. So in the smart graft, it's a continuous the needle actually goes, or the punch goes all the way through to the tubing. There's no um, uh, connection piece. connections within the handpiece. So you don't have to worry about fluids getting in there and breaking down the machine, um, both for, you know, replacement machines, but also for hygiene. So what does the handpiece look like? How big is it? Um, it fits in my hand. I've got a picture here, but it's essentially, it's metal. Yeah. You can autoclave it. Um, it's actually not heavy. It gets a little bit warm, but not uncomfortably so. Mm -hmm. It's probably, what would it be, maybe 15 centimetres long. So that sort of gets put down onto the scalp. You hold it like a pencil. Hold it like a pencil. And then what, you press a button and... You've, there's a foot pedal. Yeah. Um, and then you just, it's sort of a, um, just a, a movement like this. Yeah. In. There's no rotation um, of the risk, um, yes. wrist. Um, you just sort of punch it in. Okay. So that's an automated sort of... So you punch it. Like a punch biopsy. You pull it back, thing. yeah. You pull it back, make sure you've got it, release it, and it goes into the machine. And it, so through a vacuum, it'll sort of suck it through. Through a little vacuum, it'll suck it through into a collection canister. So the SmartGraft has three canisters in their system. One of them is the collection canister. It's chilled down to, um, I think it's four degrees. Mm -hmm. um, it also has a little mister, which you can set for a variable amount of time. So it mists, it keeps the grafts moist. Yes. That capacity probably, uh, you can put a couple of hundred grafts in there before you need to empty it out. Yeah. I it's thought got of an idea. Why don't you do PRP mist? You can. Oh, you really? Can. You, this is, you put that into the fluid. Oh, how cool is that? Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. This is where I said you can soak your grafts in it. <laughs> yeah, You yeah, can put okay. them in there. That's cool. right. Um, the second canister is just an overflow if you yeah. have too much misting. And the third one is actually your solution that you use to mist. So, so how more efficient is that than doing it, you know, manually as it were? Well, you're, you're combining the punching and the pulling out into yeah. one, but you're also... Um, when I went to Spain, they laid all the graphs out. Yeah. Um, and then they had to walk around. Someone had to walk around misting them. Yeah. So you're actually. So, in I terms think, of time, what do you reckon you save? Per you save scalp? quite a lot. I mean, I, I'm still a bit slow. Um, I'll get faster, but yeah, it, it does. It, it, 
it could probably halve it even, to Which be honest. Which is huge if you can get double the number of you know, Absolutely. patients on a bed. That's huge. Well, you'd only ever do one a day. Okay, fair enough. But, yeah. you know, if but you had yes. multiple machines or... Well, I guess it'd make it more cost-effective for patients too if it's taking you half the amount of time, then... No, that's right. That's right. But you know what? It, it also, it's a lot more ergonomic. You just want to, you want to harvest. And the patient, they've got to lie flat. When you harvest from the side, you can have them lie side to side. But you want to minimise the time that people are lying flat because we don't like to be flat you, know, you get a swollen face it's yeah, a little it's bit uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Yeah. um so you, you just want to minimize that part so once um the neograph system actually has a smaller collection tube and it's on the handpiece mm. and the vacuum goes over that so there is a potential for the hairs to dry out and you have to change it a little bit more co- more quickly okay yep. so i don't know if they've got any new models but that was the one that um was in america yeah at the end of the day, though, they're both tools, and I think the vacuum extraction is a good method because yeah. you're combining all those those um, steps, and you're f- just facilitating that harvesting. This might sound like a stupid question. Presumably, you're wearing loops to do this, so you can see yes, what you're doing. Yes, I, I wear loops with a light, um, but the. Um, and some of the surgeons in America or the dermatologists do that. You can also just have um, the magnifying glasses and, and um, yeah, there's little clip-on magnifying mm. things. Yeah. You can use those as well. And, you know, so when you're looking at someone's scalp under a microscope, can you? what does the FU, like the follicular unit look like? Can you see a distinct Yeah, a little clump of, of hairs. Yeah. But uh, my loops are only two and a half magnification. You don't want to be so... Zoomed in. Zoomed in because then you sort of lose... Um, perspective and you do yeah. you, you need to still have a grasp of the big picture okay yeah mm. i guess and because you, you want to know what angle your hand is at what angle the punch is at and i think two and a half is a reasonable working distance and also um i can see quite well outside my loops if you yeah, yeah so yeah. it's not sort of a binocular vision you're not locked okay. in yeah so just to sort of i guess summarize the steps to this point is that so you get the patient in uh, like a like a flat uh, flying flat face down generally um, for harvesting the it. smart graft machine. So if, and then you put I guess next to it would be local anaesthetic in the, yeah, in so, the area. Well, the first thing you do obviously after you you mark up the hairline etc. Yep. You mark up the donor site. Yep. Um, make sure they've got had a loo break and yep. they're fed and watered. Um, lie them down in the prone position. We actually have. Um, it's called a prone pillow, mm. which allows them to put their hands under here. It's got mm. the hole there. Um, they can actually look at their phone or an iPad underneath. Yep. Um, and then we do the ring block, chimess, and start harvesting. Okay. You generally chimess as you go yep. into little zones. One of the prob- – not a problem, but one of the um, sequelae of having all that fluid is that it's got to – go somewhere and it'll go down with gravity and so certainly when you chumess the front um, you can get a lot of swelling in the forehead and it'll go down well I've got a great picture of my colleague in Spain (laughs) we had dinner that night and I just looked across the table and burst out laughing because he just looked like like a Klingon (laughs) so (laughs) I think everyone in the restaurant turned and looked at us but never mind um and are you giving them any sort of Valium, sedation? Look, they can. Right. Uh, but I it's quite tolerable I, with local. With absolutely. The absolutely. Okay. You can use um, a bit of um, 
ice, you can use the vibration thing. But if you do a ring block, yeah. it actually makes it quite tolerable. Yeah. How um, many injections are you doing for a ring block? Because, I mean, that can be stinging itself, right? Yeah, it is. But it's it's And you can do tapping as well, just distraction. It's usually not too bad, yeah. actually. They, it's generally well tolerated. Yeah. So when you say ring block, presumably you're going from one side of the scalp in a circumference to yeah, the other. Yeah, but I just, when I do the harvesting site, I'll do it in that area. Yes. And then when it comes to the recipient, you do it at the front. Yeah, okay, yeah. fair enough. So it's a little bit like anti-wrinkle, that kind of sting. Yeah, and I, I use, um, look, initially I just use fairly either 26 or 27 gauge to, to actually do the block. Okay. So, you know, in people who are very concerned, I, I actually use um, just a little one mil um, 32 gauge. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Can, um, needles just because it's not as noticeable just to initially get it going yeah so for anyone listening with like a 32 gauge needle is similar to what you'd use to deliver like an anti-wrinkle injection so very small very fine like i guess the least invasive traumatic way well you can... i'm going to qualify that so oh, normally okay. <laughs> the insulin syringe is a 31 gauge uh, okay I oh. use the 32 gauge, which are I even use. finer. They're more yeah. comfortable. Oh, yeah, okay. from Cryomed, the yes, purple ones. The That's cri- what yeah, I use. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. the, the 0.3 mils. Yes, love them. <laughs> Very good. Sorry oh. about that little segue. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've done that. We've done the ring block. You're now using the machine to. Oh no, we do them with Chumess. So the Chumess okay. is just saline with a little bit of um, adrenaline, oh, okay. which causes vasoconstriction. Right. To decrease the blood, so that yep. thickens up, moves the hairs away from the scalp, and then we're using the machine. So take out all of our harvester like grass, yep. the foot pedal will, will click a counter with every press. Uh-huh. So it gives you a rough idea of, of how you're going with Can your Can you graphs. see that counter somewhere with how many you've yep. collected? It's on the um, – there's a uh, big screen. Right. Well, not big. Big enough, like yeah, an iPad. Big, big enough, like an iPad. That's yep. right. Um, you will also press the pedal to flush the machine because inevitably there'll be a little blood yep. um, that will clog it. Okay. Um, and – um, you'll also uh, press it to sharpen the punch. So okay. you just use um, like a 19 gauge or okay. a 20 gauge to sharpen. Yeah. So during your average, uh, I guess, harvesting phase, you're sort of collecting what do you say, one to two thousand grafts. Yeah. And how long would that roughly take? Um, it can take um, two to three hours to okay. do that. And that's just people sort of. Do people take breaks during the time? You can. You can. Okay. And this is part of. Um, sort of the American style versus the Turkish, Turkish. style, or the yep. Middle East, the, the budget style, is that it's, it's all about patient comfort. So yep. you actually make sure um, you have a comfortable bed, um, that um, there are facilities available to yep. actually make it a, you know, not enjoyable, but a pleasant Tolerable. day. Yeah, you know, so you have snacks, drinks, um things available because yeah. um, you don't want people starving for the whole day. And yeah. obviously the beauty of having it under local anaesthetic without sedation is that they can get up and do things. Um, people can have sedation if they like, yeah. but it's not to the point of, um, you know, falling asleep. Yeah. I mean, sometimes people will fall asleep in a prone position. It's just to relax them whilst the local anaesthetic is put in. You can yeah. have your happy gas there, the, the, the nitrous. I don't have nitrous, but yeah. <laughs> we'll probably look into getting it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So you've collected um, all of the graft, the donor grafts. Do you have to do anything with them then or they're ready to rock and roll once you've sort of collected them in the machine? Once you've collected a sizable amount then, um, 
um, the assistant um, can take them and start sorting them into um, follicular groups. So you'd separate the singles from the doubles and the, the three and four um, units. Um, and I've touched on the reason because you want the singles at the front of the hairline um, and the the greater density units further back. Yeah, right. Gosh, that um, must take a very trained eye to be able to start separating well, they, those. They use, um, again, <coughs> loops. They don't necessarily need to have surgical loops. They can use just the little clip-on ones. Yeah. Um, a headlight, there's a little lighted, um, like a little light board yeah. that they dissect with. Um, and that's just sort of sitting there. They don't need to do much dissection. It's really just if there's a little bit of um, extra fat or um, dermis. Just, clean, just trim. So yeah, clean that go. up and sort them. And then they sit on little Petri dishes, which sit, um, in a little okay. um, ice tray. Okay. Of, um, and what's the background of your technicians? Just curious to know who these people are. <laughs> it's actually my technician at the current moment. He's my, he's, he's my child. <laughs> really? Really? Child labour. <laughs> well, she's no, she's a grown up. She's 26. <laughs> yeah. And okay. um, so she came to the, the training day. She's been trained. She doesn't use the machine, but she was trained um, – by the techs from America in how to harvest the yeah. grafts. What we are looking at doing is getting some techs from America mm. um, who will train up some local technicians. Australia, look, there's all sorts of services which we're not really sure of in Australia, so we don't know what the um, technician availability or what their skill level is. Yes. So certainly for this, um, we need to train them up. And until they're trained up, um, you know, I'll do it. And my daughter will In-house. do it. Yeah, so my daughter's sense. left-handed, which when it comes to implantation, um, you put hairs in individually. Uh, sorry, the grafts in individually. So having someone who's left-handed is a huge advantage. Because they're not right your face. Yeah. That's right. You can go on each side. Yeah. Um, you know, I think having technicians, you're, the whole process will increase in efficiency once you're doing more and more of it. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, okay, so you've got all your... Um, your graph's ready to go. So how do we go about I'm inserting sorry, them now? I should say that oh. obviously you can start sorting those graphs while the harvesting is okay. continuing. So right. that's there's an overlap. Then once the harvesting is done, you break for lunch. We usually, you know, order out. Everybody has something to eat. Then you get back into it. And this, um, the patient sits mostly at a 45-degree angle. Um, they can bring the, their laptop and watch a video or we've got, Netflix and Hulu and all sorts of things which we'll have available um, and then it comes to the implantation so again we numb up the front of the head and then make the recipient sites so there's a few different ways that this whole next step is done um, the way that I, d I do it is to make all of the sites at once using um, either an 18, 19 or a 20 gauge needle, mm. sharp needle and you just do a couple of bends in it so that it gives you um, sort of a depth, um, a consistent depth. Yes. And the smaller gauge is for the – so the 20 gauge is for the single hair units and then the 18 might be for the four hair yes. units. Um, the advantage of um, making all the recipient sites at once, it sort of gives you um, – you can see your work. You can lay it out before you so you know that it's consistent. The other thing to be really cautious with is the angle of angulation. And so I think doing it all at once keeps it consistent. Yeah. So some of the downsides to hair transplant is if you get the angle of the hair wrong as it enters into the head or the direction wrong, it's just not going to look natural. And so hairs will 
come out at quite a low angle initially, and then as they go further up the back, the angle increases. Yeah, I've seen. I think I've seen this done badly before. It looks like someone's got pubic hair stuck into their head. It just <laughs> well, looks weird. Well, you can actually use other body hair. Oh right, so maybe it was. <laughs> <laughs> Beard hair is the next most common. Right, okay. um, apparently, in Asia, um, grafting to the pubic region is big, but we're not oh, getting wow. into we're not getting into that. Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole um, other topic. So, yeah. wow. Um, so that's <laughs> so you make all those sites, and then you start planting, and so you have a couple of texts. Um, you can have up to three if there's enough space. Yeah. You need to sort of have your table manners, so your elbows in yeah. for that, um, and a steady hand, and you know, a steady bed, because if the bed jiggles from one person, it yeah. really throws everyone yeah, off. Right. Um, the other method is to, um, uh, it's called a stick and place method, yeah. which is still using the same machine. The machine's gone now. The oh. machine's out of the equation. Okay, so the machine only deals with the it harvesting. It deals with the harvesting. Okay. Now, the neograft machine does have a handpiece that will make the holes, but I'm, the people that I spoke to in America said that no one was actually using that component. Hmm. I don't know if it's got the capacity. I don't think you can feed the hairs in and have them planted. Right. So, all that okay. that machine would do, I think, is make the holes. That's presumably the okay. next step there, right? Well, we can talk about the robot ah. in a minute. So once, um, so the other method that you can place is where you make one cut yeah. and then you put a hair in. Now, the downside to that is that if you, if you jump on a water, if you've got someone on a waterbed and somebody else jumps on, that person's going to go off. So if you then put in one graft and you go too close, You'll push out the initial hair. You'll jump. It'll pop out. So uh, they say that you should wait until the fibrin starts to work and sticks it in. But until the what? Sorry, uh, fibrin, which is just um, clotting factor. Yeah, clotting factor in the blood. It's sort of um, part of that clotting cascade. Right. It's like a tissue glue. Okay. Um, The um, I've actually and someone went back and tried to put another one in, and that was well, you know, so (laughs) ten or fifteen minutes. After I, in fact, oh. probably an hour, and I still found it pushed the others' hairs out. So, right. but I think it's it's done by a lot of people. So maybe that works. I think mm. you just have to get used to that. Then, on the same principle, is um, using a direct hair implanter. Now there is a, a group who just do it that way. Um, I have purchased some of those. I haven't used them as yet. But again, the problems that you face are simply um, um, dislodging the grafts beside it and maybe you can't get quite the same density but also they're very expensive and okay. again you might change your angles between each thing and you still need someone to load the hairs so presumably you have to think about what hairstyle you're going to have before or not you just implant them all the same way and you no, can no 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 because so you might have a look so if we have a just from here i can see that your hair is sort fringe of goes that exactly. way exactly so now, if you were completely bald, you can do whatever you like, but yep. there's different patterns in how the hair will come down. Some are straight, some sort of go like that, some go towards yes. the midline. And so you just have a, uh, a, a close idea, look yeah. at what the current pattern is and replicate that. Okay, yeah. So women often will have a little cowlick at the front and men obviously have a spiral in the crown. So again, you follow that. Well, you you say obviously, is that a known fact? I didn't know that. Men all have. If you have a look at someone, their hair it always swirls around yeah. at the crown. But, but you said men, or men. is it everyone? Yeah, I think it's everyone. But it, women okay, don't. Sorry, t- I women it was don't. Like a male women. No, no, no. Sorry, bad, <laughs> okay. poor, poor language from sloppy language. 
You just don't see it in women because they oh. don't tend to lose their hair in the crown. Okay, sorry, right, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm leaping ahead of myself there. Um, um, and so those are the, the different methods for implanting the hair. Once the hair's implanted, um, sort of let's, you get these little, you see the stump of the hair and then a little cuff of white tissue. And that is the the skin that you've punched out that surrounds the hair. Yep. You don't push it all the way in. You leave a little bit sticking out. And that's because if you push it all the way in, there's a risk that the wound will close over yes. and you can get a cyst yeah. um, or an ingrown hair. Um, but the hair follicle is significantly deeper. And so what happens is over that next week, those bits of skin dry out. We call them crusts and they'll fall away. Yeah. Now, sometimes the hairs will come out with them, but the follicle won't. The follicle is in there. So the hairs will naturally go into those usual phases. Mm. So in that next few months, they will fall out and they'll start to grow. The good news is that when they fall out, it means that a new one is growing in. Yeah. Okay. So what, what's this uh, sort of expected cycle from the patient perspective from day of surgery to how long after they're going to look normal or, or better? Better. So... Um, so we can talk about the donor site. So with FUE, the donor site will look pretty good within four days. Okay, that's The hair quick. will grow out and the wounds will contract and, and heal over. And, of course, with PRP into the site, that accelerates that, makes it even better. I can show you a picture here of someone, as I said. Um, the actual recipient site on the head is going to look a little bit different for a bit longer. So initially, you'll have those funny little white things sticking out. They'll get a little bit crusty. It'll look a little bit red. You'll have some dried blood. Um, there are some um, washing instructions that I give people afterwards. You can pretty well just gently wash the back area. That's not a concern. Nothing's going to fall out. The front area, until it's well stuck in, we don't want any um, shear forces yeah. on that the grafts because be they might come out. That if you touch, scratched your head, they would fall out. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you just need, it, there is, they are, look, I haven't tested them. I haven't gone to give a tug test um, each day, but I think that, um, you know, they're not going to fall out, but you don't want to give them any mm. unnecessary trauma initially. Yeah. By about seven days, they're stuck in there fairly well. And Which is just can, like a wound on your exactly. hand. It, it, it will be knitted together within about a week. That's right. It just won't be necessarily up for um, tension. The wound won't be at its full strength. But yes. in this case, everything's stuck in there by a week. So people can start washing their hair normally about yeah. a week. In the interim, we usually provide a spray bottle and they just keep the hair moist. Um, and then um, you, by day three, they can use a little bit of shampoo. Usually I mix... Um, suggest mixing it in a spray bottle again with a bit of water yeah. and that just they can spray that and it makes a foamy shampoo and then you can spray it off um, the surgeon in America recommended a colander um, between the patient and the shower because that broke the force of water right so you're standing in the head with like something like look. <laughs> that's right that's right so um, can I imagine that uh, sleeping might be a bit of an issue do you have to have the head covered so they don't inadvertently do something in their sleep you don't have it covered, but it's suggested that, um, you know, you put something on either side so that you don't roll. 
Right, okay. So the first night they might get a bit of weeping from the donor site, so I usually give them a bluey. So yeah. it's just like a, like a puppy pee pad, essentially, that's what yeah. it is, which they can put on the pillow. Um, the dressing we usually leave... There's a dressing that goes on the back of the head um, with a bandage on the lower part of the forehead, so not in the road of any hairs. That can stay on overnight and then come off in the morning. So they just have that little pad on their pillow for a couple of days just in case there's anything. Um, and then it's just a matter of um, really being cautious. So having something on either side to stop you turning. Yeah. Is sun exposure an issue? It's with all wounds, we advise no sun exposure. Yeah, okay. So you shouldn't do anything um, overly strenuous. So no heavy gym workouts for about three or four weeks. Yeah. Um, no swimming mm-hmm. um, for at least that first week. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing that gets you overly sweaty either in that first week. Mm. Just with any open wound, yep. you don't want things to get hot and sweaty initially. Okay. Um, but generally, apart from the the appearance of it, once you're past that first seven days, it's fairly robust. Okay. And then it's it's just a matter of those hairs um, falling out and the growth phase happening. So usually by, you'll get start to see hairs growing in four to six months. You get the maximum effect at eight to 12 months. Yeah, it's a long process, isn't it? Yeah. It is, but do you know how fast this year's gone? Yeah, I know, it's, right? It, it goes quickly. But I guess the nature is when you're that person who's going through the process, it's like every second is an hour. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, again, you've actually made that decision because how many years have they sat there thinking, I'd love to do something about this, but I don't know, yeah. don't trust them. Once you get started, it's actually pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, what about um, using like these uh, powders to thicken hair and those <laughs> kind of things? Well, apparently that's very big in Hollywood. Is it microfibers? Is that what they call Yes, yeah, microfibers. So again, yeah. when I touched on the fact that um, the thickness of the hair and the curliness of the hair, those are things that sort of make the hair look thicker. And yeah. so they increase density. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So if you were to implant, say, a thousand grafts, how many of those are going to survive on average? You'd expect of most of them to survive. So like, like 90, 99%. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So I guess the only so th- caveat is assuming that your donor site's big enough to cover the area that It's always big head. enough. Oh, sorry. Uh, yes. Your or donor site. No, no, you sorry, sorry. Yeah. Your donor site, exactly. And that's part. So people who've got that severe grade seven or grade yeah. six when they've really got a thin strip. Those are actually people that might do better with a strip method. Yeah. Simply because um, you can harvest a maximal amount of hairs for the area that they've got. With the FUE, you sort of have to spread it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they don't necessarily have as much donor space there. Yep. Okay. That's all. And potentially they've also got a little bit of thinning in that area if they've got such severe baldness. Some men with that severity can also start losing it from the nape of the neck. So yeah. you really are not left with good quality hair. Mm. Okay. What about, um, I was reading an article many years ago about um, the possibility of using stem cells to sort of create like a culture where you can grow and replicate. So someone that's like got like, I guess, heavy baldness or yeah. a lot of baldness that you can potentially take a couple of hairs and then replicate them and have as many as you want. Is yeah. that is that a fairy tale or is that... No, no, no. I'm sure it's only a matter of time. But there's a couple of different um, ways. There's, there's research into just injecting stem cells, so harvesting them for liposuction or any other method, and then just injecting stem cells. Now, stem cells are sort of our 
base cells, if you like, before they've got into any sort of specialised mode. And it's thought that as they do elsewhere in the body, that once they're in that right area, that local factors will trigger them down the pathway of specialisation. So if you inject them in the scalp, they'll turn into hairs. I think that has been done in some clinics in America. I don't know that they necessarily have any significant results. Perhaps it's just like injecting PRP, and I don't know that it's necessarily brought bald people, you know, hairs that have gone back. The other one is referred to as stem cells, but really it's probably cloning, where you take a hair cell and then in the lab you grow them and Mm. implant them. And that's projected potentially to be available you know, in the next few years. Mm, that's very so exciting. So that would be very exciting. Yeah. yeah. Because the thing is, if you take that hair from an area that is safe, that it's not susceptible to DHT, you can put that anywhere. It's not going to change its base genetic characteristics. It's, it's going to be resistant. It's not going to become um, sensitive to DHT. It will retain that um, resistance wow. wherever you put it. Are there any theories on why the, the hairs around the side of the head are resistant and the ones on top aren't? Like, wh- Look, everywhere in your body, you've got um, a different sensitivity to hormones. Yes. You know, in, I've touched on the gender patients that I do. Now, they, they start taking testosterone and you see a variability in what secondary sex characteristics they show and a variability in hair distribution. So everybody's got a different sensitivity in Mm. their cells. It's also fat distribution. You know, we have a propensity to put down fat in different areas depending upon our genetics. So those are the theories. You know, the evolutionary theories as to why men go bald in the first place. Well, yeah, that's what sort of what I was getting at. Is it, yeah. is it supposed to happen Well, to sort of show that you're an older person? No, and... no, no. The theories, the theories that... Um, <laughs> that yeah, I thought it meant well, women say? have menopause, men have baldness. I mean, it's, isn't that supposed to make it well, just that, fair, isn't it? <laughs> I, think, I think men sort of have a bit of uh, grumpy pause. <laughs> no, um, no, I think the, the, the evolutionary theory that I proposed is that women want uh, an intelligent, um, successful hunter and to procreate with and have good children. And they felt that a high forehead may be indicated that someone was more intelligent. Ah. I would like to say I don't think so because... Well, where does your forehead start and stop, David? <laughs> no, because, you know, look at someone, my another little Trump lackey, but Steve, Stephen Miller, who's just not a good looking man. I mean, he's not going to attract anyone because he's also weedy. He's not, you know, so he's high forehead, not necessarily an evolutionary advantage at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was another um, theory proposed with this forehead that if the man with a bald head stuck his head up, the animal wouldn't see that as a threat. But I'm thinking that the sun's going to hit it and shine, so it's going to yeah. be more noticeable. Yeah. So that doesn't really make any sense <laughs> That's to me. Hilarious. <laughs> um, look, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So what are the like side effects or complications that can, I guess, go along with this procedure? Or is it fairly sort of, you know, benign in terms of things that can go wrong? Uh, look, I think, you know, as if I compare this to a cosmetic surgery, it's a lot straight, a lot more straightforward and a lot easier, you right. know. But again, the biggest thing is um, you've got to deliver on expectation. So in everything expectation management is key and this is where um, patients um, need to understand that you can't just give back the head of hair they had when they were 20 you need to you've got to work with um, increasing that density 
from another area. So you usually would harvest 15 to 20% of, of the donor site in any one go. Now, if you harvest more than 50%, that, that area is going to look thinned. So you don't want to do that. You can go back again and take another 15 or 20%. And then you're sort of sitting around, you know, maybe 35%. But there is a limit on how many hairs you want to take out. Um, and then you've got to plant them so that they've got enough room for swelling and blood supply. If you sh- shove them in really tightly, it's like fat grafting. You know, you actually strangle the blood supply mm. and you potentially will cause um, some shock and you might lose other hairs as well or you might drive them into that resting phase just because there's so much swelling and trauma to the area. So there is a there's a practicality on how much you can do at one time. Yeah. And that's why having multiple sessions okay. is good. But the biggest disappointment is actually density. So if you let somebody know where they're going to get the biggest bang for their buck, then that's what you work on. And then you can come back and increase the density. But I think if they know that, mm-hmm. then you're going to face um, less problems later on right. in terms of um, you know unhappiness. Um, but generally you put you know, 2,000 at the front, 2,000 in the mid scalp, and at least 2,000 in the crown. That's sort of a general guide for right. someone who's got those areas that are balding. I don't know if I missed this when you were explaining how you implant, but how far roughly are the distance between the two units oh, that you put just in? a few millimetres. Millimetres. Yeah, I can show you a picture. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just a couple of millimetres. Cool. Um, what was I going... Oh, the other complications... Look, there are... It's, it is... Uncommon. I'd, um, and again, if you have it done in um, a less sanitary place, then potentially there will be more problems. But with exactly, exactly, and um, you know, potentially ingrown hairs and cysts and folliculitis, those can all happen. Yeah. Um, we do give um, a couple of augment enjoy or an augment enjoy tablet on the day and give them some to go home with. So it's antibiotics, antibiotics, yeah. Yeah, antibiotics. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, I always think because there are a lot of I'll non-medical just, people that listen, so we have to. Sort I know of, you see. Like, so I, if I, I don't I understand forget, it, I forget the, these I things. Yeah. I forget these things. Um, and um, the uh, we touched on before, you know, having the hair grow in the wrong direction or at the wrong angle. Yeah, that's no good. Having an unnatural hairline design. So it sounds mm-hmm. like um, the main poor outcome is cosmesis, not. Oh, you there know, are some medical things, but they're not as common. Not not as common and, you know, easily managed. Um, bleeding is not usually an issue. The scalp is very vascular. I've even, I had one patient who was just bled a lot. And again, yeah. people who are taking herbal supplements, you really mm-hmm. need to stop. You need to not have um, anti-inflammatories or fish oil. or Garlic, ginger. That's, you need to stick clear of those. You need to not have, you know, had a big night on alcohol for a few days before or a few days after, just because that can thin your blood as well. Um, If the hairs are pushed in too far, you can get what's called cobblestoning, where you get little pits as well. Mm. So that doesn't look good. What is fairly common, though, is you will get a little bit of prolonged pinkness um, around the implant site. And that is just, I think... You know, just part of wound healing that will eventually resolve. There can be some of the white scars at the donor site, um, but they're generally not noticeable. Mm. Okay. Um, what else would there be? I'm wondering, um, you know, 
sometimes after injectables we put people under a yellow led light just to help with healing and uh, they say it helps with collagen induction and things like that have you ever tried anything like that or oh well, i don't have one but yeah, okay. Maybe that's another machine to look yeah. at. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, potentially because um, they can help healing. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I think you know that's if you put the PRP in and then you give them that, then there's no harm in doing something like that at all. But yeah. will, it, no, it won't necessarily um, stop hypopigmentation or loss of colour, little mm. white spots at the donor site because that's just what happens as your body scars. Yeah, you know your wounds contract and they'll become pale. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, um, 2,000 grafts is probably what you do per treatment. Yeah, so if someone's yeah. doing like, say, from the forehead to the back of the crown, so it sounds like there's like a three, three different sessions probably. At least, probably yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, the most important question, um, what are people looking like in terms of price for this Pricing? sort of a thing? So they have to sell a kidney or is it – is this? A <laughs> no, no. Um, look, in um, – in America, they generally priced about five to nine dollars US dollars per graft. Um, here in Australia, that's probably going to equate to about ten to twelve dollars per graft. So you're probably looking, but we have to pay GST here as well. So we'll probably look at including the GST in our price. Mm. Um, but it's it's going to be around the twenty thousand dollar mark okay maybe yeah. a little bit less maybe a little bit more but i'd say realistically ballpark i think that's probably what's fairly standard if somebody's only having 500 graphs or a thousand graphs potentially the cross per graft would be a little bit higher than if yeah it's just economies 2, of scale yeah exactly sure. am i right in saying that you said you just do one patient a day yeah it's just well i have one machine and yeah. one of me because I'm just thinking think, you know in terms of your time spent it's it's a long day oh no absolutely but yeah. I've, I've got to tell you a long day in theatres it's no different time just goes you don't notice it sure but then you would have well depending on what cases you do five or six billings if you want to put it in monetary terms whereas you know if you've got one client or so a patient doing yeah. hair it's well again this is the other thing it's, it's, it's very this, la it's very labour intensive and I think it's inevitable that in Australia someone will will get this and have texts and yeah automate it and automate it yeah that's the, not necessarily what we're hoping to do and you know this isn't going to be my only business I'm going to do other plastic surgery but I also feel it's it's um you know it's sort of something I feel quite excited about and yeah. um uh, my good friend is is my business partner in this and he's very excited how do uh, your um, plastic surgical colleagues sort of see it do they think it's a bit of a novelty do they think it's you know how look, some are some are quite excited okay. um, you know it's difficult to know some probably look at this as passive income maybe they can get someone in to do it yeah. um i think it's just an area that no one has looked into before yeah um well you've got like everyone sort of fighting over certain procedures so i mean you know i guess when i say fighting uh competing in the same market for a, like a select number of procedures absolutely. that might bring you know, do you mean breast augmentation? Yeah, or well, what have you? Do you know what I mean? So I think it's. I don't I think even it's compete. In, I don't even compete I think it's for an those. intelligent move to sort of move towards these Look, these sort of peripheral uh, sort of I, treatments. I, th I think it's it's uh, a compliment to the service, and I think yeah. you know, from a business point of view, mm -hmm. it's actually an, um, a way of exposing um, some male customers or yeah. male patients to things that they hadn't thought about before. So yeah. I think in general there is a 
um, a, a trend for you know people to be a bit more aware of their appearance in yeah. terms of their work their how they're viewed um, because people who are who look young who have a full head of hair who, who look healthier more successful um, and so just actually educating people about non-cosmetic options for instance is a bonus because a lot of people still out there think that um, anti-wrinkle injections and dermal fillers are a, a black or a white thing yes and generally what they see are the negatives in the in the, invite, the, in the community they don't around. they don't realize that you can actually just do a little bit yeah and you only it's not the bad obvious examples. That, that's exactly right so i think you know it is something different and um you know i'm i'm very much um my my focus in going forward is actually about lifestyle yeah. work-life balance so I, i'm not necessarily out there competing for those other operations it's actually i've seen the the effect this had on my friend and changed his life yeah. changed his life and when i spoke to some of the patients in spain and america life-changing yeah absolutely so, you know. i just well, when think you consider that what you'd spend you know, on a, if you're taking your family to Europe for a holiday, I, you wouldn't get out of it for less than probably 20 grand, 30 grand, if you, depending on oh, how long no. you're going for. Oh, no. So, but I you mean, know, if, yeah. if, if someone has a tummy tuck, um, the hospital fees alone are something like $7,000. Yeah. The anaesthetic fee is going to be maybe $3,000. Surgical fees yeah. can range, you know, Huge, from yeah. <laughs> yeah. five to 15, perhaps. So, you know, there are some people who are who are charging twenty five thousand dollars for a rhinoplasty. You yeah. know, fifty thousand dollars for a facelift. So, yeah, I, I think when you put it in perspective, um, you know, it's just it's what what people are willing to pay. And I mean, I'm not here to rip people off, but again, it's sort of we're trying to put it on a par with yeah um, other procedures. Yeah. What what the Americans are doing, using them as a guide. Yeah, and we are offering. Um, you know, as, as a plastic surgeon doing it, we're trying to offer actually a, a, a quality Yeah, I've just service. thought of something which I guess is pretty obvious, but, you know, you were talking about anti-wrinkle treatments and dermal fillers and, you know, the best treatments are the ones you don't necessarily notice, but of course you're going to notice someone with a, a new head of hair. How do the men deal with that? Um, You've often, got to be pretty honest you know with it. No, no, you know what? Often <laughs> people don't necessarily notice it. There's a comedian in America called Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. Oh, I don't yes. know if you okay. yeah. um, Now, he is boarding. I, I saw him in a back bar in New York about actually probably 2008, the same time I went to one of these conferences. I can't tell you what his hair looked like. I remember he was a redhead. Yeah. Um, he recently posted a picture of himself from back in time on his Instagram. And people said, how come you've got more hair? Yeah. Because he'd obviously had a hair yeah. transplant, but no one had noticed. Yeah. Right. And this is, you can actually, um, because hair, the hair will sort of grow in such subtly. Yeah. And you can just, especially if you have the, um, multiple sessions. So someone who's, you know, got maybe a few wispy hairs here, you thicken the density up, then that's not necessarily going to be noticed. Yeah. When my colleague that I came across who'd had the FUE, I was one of the only people who noticed it. Yeah. People okay. just didn't notice. Well, you're not going to tease anyone for having too much. Oh, you've got too much hair. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe you tell your work yeah. colleagues or you tell your close friends, but... It's sort of those ones where I'm wondering whether your friends might not patronise you, but they might be like, oh, you've done it for you. Well done you kind of thing. Whereas if you lose 
weight and you look amazing, it's it's not seen in that way. I don't know. I don't know. What would you think if, if one of your friends had a hair transplant? Oh, well, I, guess oh, I know Loda. people and I think it looks great. Oh, I, reckon, I, reckon, I Jake, think a Jake lot of men. Jake and I are the average, average men. We're quite sort of in touch with all this sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So it's normal for us, I guess. Uh, but yeah, 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 I don't know. I think I think a lot of men might just be jealous that they yeah. haven't done it themselves. Hundred, look, I'm, I'm for it totally. Yeah. So. Jake and I are coming in for it. Can we, can we get like a two for one discount or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't care if he's lying next we to, to me. Use, we have to use the same punch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how can people get in touch with you if they want to find out more about these procedures or any other of the procedures that you that you offer um uh we've got our website yep. which is um drlisa.com.au well, that's um, good you managed to get that dr lisa wow <laughs> that's great um and then our um we have also have a very cheesy 1300 number which is 1300 dr lisa okay good good it's <laughs> very and american then isn't it? yeah um Social media, website? Uh, yeah, I do have an Instagram, which is Dr. Lisa Friedrich, um, which we will be um, putting, um, putting this a up lot on. more up. Yep. We're actually moving into our new office okay. next week. So Very we'll good. be Exciting. Um, promoting all of that. And then we have an email, which is info at drlisa.com.au. And you're located at Macquarie Street in Sydney CBD in Australia. But yep. next yep. week we'll be... Ah. At 75 Crown Street, okay. which is East Sydney Private Hospital. Oh, perfect. That's not too far from me on a Tuesday. I might wander down and <laughs> come and say hi. Yeah. Thank you for being so generous with your time. What started as being a planned 45-minute chat turned into almost two hours over the oh, two, two we sessions. Should, we should so talk thank about you. the only thing we haven't mentioned ah. were the people who are good candidates. Oh, yes. Really, which, again, they should have um, realistic expectations. Yep. A good donor site, a healthy recipient site. But... It's not just hair loss people. I touched on um, people with scars, yep. um, trauma. The other thing it's really good for is hairline lowering. So traditionally patients have gone to have a hairline lowering surgery, which essentially is like a scalping operation, and then you have to bring the scalp forward. Mm. You can actually transplant hairs, and that okay. will bring the scalp forward down, the okay. hairline down. Could you use it for eyebrows as well? Yes, you can do eyebrows, but if you have a look at your eyebrows in the mirror, they come out at a very, very acute angle. Yes. So it's quite difficult, and then you have to trim them okay. for the rest of your life because they'll still grow. Like a hair. Oh, I have to trim like mine anyway, and they're not natural, so... <laughs> There you, go. there you go. I think we've covered everything. Yeah. Well, and it. presumably you can do beards. You can, well, you vice can, versa, you could yeah, put hair you, from the scalp can. to the beard or beard to the head. That's right. Head. You can, yeah. So yeah. you can take um, chest hairs as well. Okay. God, mine are all going white. So the I'm only difference. I'm going to hurry up. <laughs> the, only, the only difficulty is when you think about harvesting, um, we know that the, the scalp um, skin is, is a little bit more rigid because it's attached to the sort of fibrous layers underneath, whereas in the rest of the body it's not. So you just, it's a bit, um, bit more flopsy. So you've got to put a bit more fluid in to toughen it up. So it's a little bit more tricky. It would mm. take a bit longer to harvest. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time. That's been awesome. <laughs> Great. Um, we appreciate you coming and uh, maybe we'll get you back on in the future to talk about how things have evolved. Yeah. Excellent. Great. Thank you, Lisa. Thank, thank you, Lisa. You. Bye-bye.